0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Satan attacks the church in different ways. Sometimes it's from the outside, at times through the persecution of God's people, at times through their seduction, by enticing them with the things of this world. But there's also times when Satan attacks the church from within. Sometimes that happens through false doctrine, At other times it happens because of disagreements and fights which break down the unity of God's people. We are susceptible to a breakdown in our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's especially the case currently as different members have different views on how our government is managing COVID-19. It's a topic that generates a lot of passion. Some believe the government is doing a good job and that we need to fully obey all the public health orders. Others see our freedom under attack and feel like we need to take a stand against government intrusion. Because of differing perspectives and the strong feelings attached to them, communication begins to break down. Respect for people who disagree with my viewpoint lessens. It's easy for us to make disparaging comments and for fighting to begin. When the unity of God's people breaks down, Satan wins. In our text, we see the effect of infighting on the Israelite community. Our text shows how Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, the leader of God's people. Miriam was the oldest sibling. Then came Aaron, and finally Moses was the youngest in this family. Moses' older siblings attacked him by questioning his marriage to a Kashite woman. Then they attack Moses' role as leader of God's people. They didn't confront Moses himself with the issues that were bothering them. They complained to others and undermined his leadership in that way. Our text shows us that Moses was very meek. He was a humble man with a servant heart. He did not defend himself. Yet the Lord came to the defense of his servant. He deals with the sin of Moses' siblings. He doesn't allow the family infighting to take root and bring about a division among his people. The Lord thwarts Satan's attack. Our text warns us about the destructive effects of infighting. It calls us to live in love and in unity together. It teaches us how to walk forward on the way Of everlasting life. I preach to you God's Word under the following theme, Israel's progress to the Promised Land is halted due to family infighting. We'll consider Miriam's attack against Moses, God's defense of Moses, and Moses' intercession for Miriam. Every family has its own culture. Each family develops its own customs and routines. Some families regularly eat together, while others don't. Some families love to hang out, while in other families, people t- tend to do their own things. Some families are good at talking about important things. Others are not. In some f- families, there's a feeling of warmth, of acceptance, and love. In others, there is envy and jealousy and infighting. Churches are similar The church is the family of God. It's made up of different people with different backgrounds, personalities, customs, and perspectives. Different members of the church all have their own strengths and weaknesses. Churches also develop a culture. Some churches are warm and inviting. Others feel cold and distant. In some churches, members are connected and there are strong bonds of love that unite them. In other churches, there are different cliques that don't get along. It doesn't take much to destroy unity in the body of Christ. We're all sinful people. At times, we rub each other the wrong way. Our diversity can make it difficult to live together in love and unity. Satan will often use envy or jealousy, or discontent to drive wedges between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We see that happening in our text. Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses, the leader of God's people. Miriam is the ringleader. Her name is mentioned first. The Hebrew indicates that she is the one bringing the charges against Moses. There were two issues that led to this grumbling against Moses. The first related to his marriage. The second had to do with Moses' leadership position. Our text begins by stating that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Kashite woman he had married. Commentators are divided about who this Kashite woman was. Some say that this was Zipporah, while others suggest that Moses had married another woman either after Zipporah died or as a second wife. Now, in the Old Testament, the term Cushite can refer to one of the descendants of Cush, a grandson of Noah through his son Ham. It's also possible that it refers to someone from Kashan, That's where Ham's descendants settled, which parallels Midian in Habakkuk 3, verse 7. Zipporah was from Midian you can also refer to someone from Ethiopia The Bible itself does not give us a full answer to this question I would suggest that this Cushite woman was none other than Zipporah herself Several years earlier after the Lord called Moses at the burning bush Moses traveled with Zipporah and their two sons from Midian to Egypt Moses was on his way to free the captive nation Israel from the tyranny of Pharaoh. God met Moses along the way to kill him because of his failure to circumcise his youngest son. At that point, Moses sent Zipporah back to Midian while he continued on to Egypt on his own. After the Lord delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, Zipporah's father Jethro took her and her two sons to be with Moses again. They were reunited as family at Mount Sinai. Miriam's charge against Moses was that he had married a Kashite woman. Perhaps part of Miriam's discrimination against Moses was against Moses' wife was racially biased. It's very likely that she had darker skin than the Israelites did. Part of the charge was clearly that she was not an Israelite. Think back to Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was cursed by his father Noah. He was the father of Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. So, from Miriam's perspective, Moses had married a woman from the unbelieving descendants of Ham. If Miriam and Aaron truly had a concern about this, they did not deal with it in the right way. They didn't talk to Moses about it. Instead, they simply grumbled about it, complaining to anyone who would listen about Moses' unfitfulness to be the sole leader of God's people. Beloved, we're often guilty of the same thing. When we have problems with a brother or sister in the church, we complain about them to others. That does not resolve issues, it creates a much bigger mess. People who don't know the whole story are asked to make judgments. They're asked to take sides. That's how you get division in the body of Christ, the church. Biblically, the right thing to do when you see a brother or sister caught in a behavior that seems sinful to you is to go to him or her and raise the issue privately. That person may not know that their behavior is wrong or that you find it offensive. When we bring concerns to another person, we need to be aware that sometimes the problem is with our conscience and not with the other person's behavior. Not everything that we think is wrong is necessarily wrong. Bring a charge against someone else, you need to be able to back up your charge from the Bible. In our text, it quickly becomes clear that there was no basis for Miriam's charge. There was no... Prohibition against interracial marriage. The Lord did forbid intermarriage with the Canaanite nations because he did not want the Canaanites to lead his people astray in serving other gods. Yet we need to recognize that Zipporah's father Jethro was a priest of the Lord in the land of Midian. He'd shown his love for God when hearing about what the Lord had done for Israel. He offered a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And read about that in Exodus 18. So Miriam's accusation that Moses' wife was an unbeliever was false. Our text also reveals a second ground for Miriam and Aaron's charge against Moses. They said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken also through us? Here we see the real reason for the grumbling against Moses. Miriam and Aaron were envious of Moses' leadership position in Israel. They felt that they should share in this leadership of the people, for the Lord had also spoken through them. In Numbers 11, we saw how the Lord appointed 70 elders to help Moses rule over the people. All these other men had been appointed leaders in Israel, and Miriam and Aaron felt that they had been passed by, and so they brought this second charge. Against Moses. It's important to recognize that Aaron and Miriam did serve in a leadership role in Israel. When Moses was appointed to deliver Israel from Egypt at the burning bush, he didn't want to go. Part of his complaint was that he was not eloquent. The Lord told him he would send Aaron with him to be his mouthpiece. We also know that when the Lord brought Israel through the Red Sea... Miriam led the women of Israel in singing songs of praise to God. In Exodus 15, verse 20, she is explicitly called a prophetess. Further, the prophet Micah spoke about how the Lord redeemed Israel out of the land of slavery, how he sent before them Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. While the Lord did use Aaron and Miriam as leaders among his people, They were still wrong to speak against Moses' leadership role. Because of her envy, Miriam was promoting rebellion against God's established authority in Israel. At root, we see that Miriam's pride has been wounded. God had indeed spoken through her and through Aaron. Yet now she felt that Moses was pushing her aside by following the advice of his wife's father, who recommended that the leadership be shared with other capable men. If left unchecked, Miriam's sin of leadership envy had the potential to lead to division and strife and schism in the nation of Israel. Beloved, envy also often lies at the roots of struggles in our relationships. It's so easy to look at your brother or sister's life from the outside and to envy their circumstances. Yet often our assessments are flawed. In the last chapter, Moses would likely have given Miriam and Aaron not only a share of his authority, but all of it. He would have said, take these people, please. Be my guest. You deal with their stubbornness and their rebellion. I'll go back to taking care of a few sheep. We need to recognize, beloved, that envy downplays everything positive about our situation And it emphasizes the negative, while doing the opposite about the other person's situation. Married people sometimes envy the freedom of single people, while singles envy the opportunity to belong to a family. Those with important and demanding jobs may envy the lighter load of those with less responsibility, while those who feel stuck in a rut envy the significance of doing a job that seems to matter. Envy rarely sees things as they truly are. And so it's important for our unity as brothers and sisters that we learn to recognize how easy it is for us to envy others, to become jealous of them. It's important to see how easily our pride can be wounded and how this can cause us to lash out unfairly at those around us. In James 4 verse 1, James asks, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? James says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We know what the fruit of all that is it creates hard feelings, disharmony, brokenness, and division. When the unity of God's people breaks down, Satan wins. Brings us to our second point, God's defense of Moses. Our text continues by pointing out something special in Moses' character. It says that Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. We sometimes have wrong ideas about what it means to be meek. We may think that being meek means being easygoing, being nice, being weak. But those are misconceptions. A meek person is not weak, but rather has his strength under control. To be meek involves being gentle, humble, considerate, patient, and courteous. It means you don't become easily defensive or irritated, or angered, even when attacked by others. A meek person does not act out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility considers others more important than himself. He doesn't look out only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Moses didn't think, think too highly of himself. He didn't assert his position or his rights. Moses didn't even defend himself. He knew the Lord had appointed him as leader of the people. And so he didn't assert his authority. Instead, he waited patiently for the Lord to vindicate him. And God did. Our text records how the Lord heard Miriam and Aaron's attack against Moses. As he called Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to the tabernacle. The Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forward. Then the Lord said, hear my words. It's kind of striking to see the ironic way in which the Lord dealt with Aaron and Miriam. They had claimed to hear God's words just as Moses did. Now they would hear God's words spoken directly to them. But they would not be words of affirmation. They were words of judgment. The Lord went on to clarify Moses' special status among the prophets. A prophet is someone who passes on a message from God to his people. Yet the Lord explains that his means of communicating with Moses was special. God generally revealed himself to the prophets through visions and dreams, in riddles rather than in clear speech. But not so with Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses clearly, face to face, and not in such obscure forms. It's amazing to consider, beloved, the manner in which the Lord revealed himself to Moses. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai, and God spoke to him in a voice that was audible to him. Since then, the Lord had often met with Moses at the tent of meeting. Exodus 33, verse 11 says... Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Whenever Moses came from the presence of the Lord and told the people what he was commanded, the people would see the face of Moses, that the face of Moses was shining. And so the Lord was displeased with Aaron and Miriam. He said, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's manner of revealing himself to Moses should have already caused them to humbly respect his leadership instead of arrogantly claiming equality with him. So the Lord defended his servant Moses when he, in meekness, refused to stand up for himself. Our text notes that when the cloud moved from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. The punishment fit the crime. She had complained that Moses had married a Kashite, a woman who would have had a darker skin than that of the Israelites. Miriam was struck with a skin disease that made her skin white and flaky. She had intimated that she had equal access to God as a channel of revelation. Yet the Lord gave her an illness that pictured the rottenness of sin, which made her unclean. As a result, she was banished not just from the presence of the Lord, but also from the community of God's people. So the Lord showed that her claims against Moses were invalid, and he upheld Moses as leader of his people. What can we learn from this, beloved? Clearly our passage teaches us to respect our leaders. The men whom God has given authority to shepherd his flock. Are we supposed to respect them because they're always such wise and gracious and caring men? No. We're to respect them because Christ called them to office. He's given them a task to do. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, For that would be of no advantage to you. Fundamentally, beloved, we need to learn to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If the revelation that came by Moses required the respect of God's people Israel, how much more should we not submit to the whole of God's revealed word? Hebrews 1 reminds us that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Hebrews 3 indicates that while Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant, Christ was faithful over God's house as a son. So, how will we escape God's judgment if we rebel and speak against Christ's lordship today? Moses was a type of Christ. While our text refers to him as the meekest person on the face of the earth, that was only true in his day. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus reveals himself as meek and humble in heart. Even though Moses was such a, we- a meek man, there was a time when in sin he lost patience with the people, and he spoke harshly to them, calling them rebels. Christ never did that. In meekness and humility, Christ suffered and died for us to earn a salvation we did not deserve. He died to take away our sin and our reproach, to reconcile us with God. Amazing grace. Brings us to our final point, Moses' intercession for Miriam. Our text says that Aaron saw that his sister Miriam was leprous. He said to Moses, O oh my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead. His flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. Normally, as high priest, Aaron was the one who served as mediator between the Lord and his people. And in this case, Aaron was involved in Miriam's sin, a rebellion against Moses' leadership position. He wasn't in any state to pray for his sister. And so with a humble and contrite heart, he pleaded with Moses to do so, that Miriam might be healed of her leprosy. Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her, please. The Lord responded to Moses. It shows the reality of what the Lord had said to Aaron and Miriam earlier. God not only spoke to Moses, he listened to him as well. They had a face-to-face relationship. The Lord heard Moses and granted him his request. Miriam was healed of her disease. The Lord specified she still had to remain outside the camp for seven days. The Lord did this to allow Miriam to experience the shame of her sin, to teach her and all Israel To show his servant Moses the respect he was due as God's appointed leader over his people. Beloved, again we need to note how Christ has a much more glorious position in God's house than Moses did. Moses could and did serve as intercessor for God's people. And yet Christ's intercession is much more glorious Moses had to plead with the Lord on the basis of God's mercy and grace. Christ suffered and died for us in order to earn mercy and grace for us. He's now seated on the throne at God's right hand. When we pray and Jesus pleads our cause, the Father will certainly hear him. For Jesus is his beloved Son. And so we may have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, knowing God will hear and answer our prayers for the sake of Christ, his Son. After this, Miriam was brought into the camp again. That's no insignificant thing. It shows Moses' prayer for her was heard. God forgave her sin. Miriam is restored to her former place in the congregation. She was received into the fellowship and favor of both God and the people. Shows a pattern also for us. There's times when we sin against each other, when our infighting causes brokenness and hurt and sorrow. Yet when sin is repented of and forgiven, it leads to renewed relationships. That is fundamentally what the gospel is all about. In Christ, we are restored to favor with God and with his people. Sins no longer held against that person. We let go of past grudges. We move forward together in faith. Our text points out, our text ends by pointing out the consequences of Miriam and Aaron's sin. For seven days, all Israel was delayed from marching onward to the promised land. Israel's progress to the promised land was held up due to family infighting. Something we need to ponder on, beloved. We are the people of God today, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians marching onward along the way everlasting. We've been promised a glorious inheritance, life with God on new heavens and a new earth. Don't allow infighting to hinder our progress. Learn to be meek like Christ was. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others if there's issues between you and a brother or sister, then resolve them in a biblical way. If you've sinned, acknowledge that and repent of your sin. If you've been sinned against, forgive as Christ forgave you. Live in love and in unity together. Support each other so that together we can share in communion with the Lord and each other now and forevermore. Amen.